0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. My name's Andy Bell, joined as ever by Luke Niblock. Nib, how's it going?
1: It's going well, but there's been some unfortunate news, hasn't it, recently? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to really dominate this podcast, I feel like, this time around.
0: Well, we're going to try We're going to try and split the podcast into, into two. Part one, we are obviously going to have to, unfortunately, talk about and grieve and mourn the departure of Michael O'Neill. So we're gonna do that in part one, and then obviously part two. There's a small matter of a double header to come, so we play Holland at home on Saturday and Germany away on on Tuesday night. Uh, last two games of the qualifying campaign, uh, big knock-on effects on confidence, playoffs, etc., etc. So plenty to talk about with that. But let's get straight into it because we have a jam-packed podcast to do here. So it was announced at some point last week. Um, Michael mm. O'Neill was in talks with Stoke to take the Stoke job. Now my initial reaction to this was, considering like Michael's been. A, uh, linked with clubs like West Brom, Norwich, even like the Scotland job. Jobs that you would think are of a bigger stature than Stoke here at the bottom of the league in the championship struggling and that's, that's no disrespect to Stoke as a club, as a size of a club at all because um, I you know I don't know anything about who's a big club down in that league but it just seems strange that, he, that he's taken this one and um, what was your initial reaction to the news what's
1: well, funny because I remember you texted me about it and I was like busy that day just doing something so I went on Twitter and just checked you know how legitimate it was and there was just a few people saying it I saw a good few Stoke fans saying he's coming to Stoke and then it just kind of broke a few hours after that it was really happening and I mean it was a bit of a surprise to me you know you we've always kind of associated michael maybe with a, to me a better job on paper anyway but i mean i i still think he'll do a great job down there and he'll definitely bring stoke back into i think you know more relevant kind of place in, in the football league but it was a bit of a surprise that he hadn't taken maybe a job even before now um, and it was a bit of a surprise that he took stoke as opposed to you know some of the clubs he has been linked with in the past you
0: know i think that's i think that's exactly spot on i mean after the euros in 2016 I thought Michael might go. I thought, you know, after having done four years with us, having given us, us good service, okay, we stuck with him after the poor initial World Cup qualifiers from 2014 to 2016. And then from 2016 to 2018, or sorry, from, sorry, from 2012 to 2014 was the World Cup qualifiers, yeah. 2014 to sixteen was the Euros, obviously, the golden age of, uh, of our generation yeah. for Northern Irish football. And I thought, you know what, this'll be his chance because Michael. Spoke a lot. We knew he was like an ambitious guy. Um, It wasn't. I don't think it's anything to do with money here or how much he's being paid because he was offered a million pound a year at Scotland, uh, and he stayed. And albeit got a better contract with Northern Ireland, but still could have gone and got more money. And I think there's been plenty of times over the last eight years where Michael could have gone for more money. So for me, it was just I. You know, Michael's an ambitious guy. Every uh, every manager, the the pinnacle of the managerial sort of stratosphere is club football playing, mm-hmm. er, managing the Champions League so I did think Michael would eventually go into the club game uh, I thought it would be after year 2016 I was convinced he would go after the Switzerland game I really yeah, thought was six years four years of proving that he is this guy is a good manager mm-hmm. I was really shocked and I think Michael was shocked and miffed as well that he wasn't being linked with certain jobs and yeah. um, Teams, you know, of that championship level don't seem to respect international achievements quite as much. And yeah, for us true. for us what having watched Northern Ireland for the last for the last certainly the last year, eight years under Michael O'Neill, we know how good a manager this guy is. We talk about it in every podcast. Michael is the key to winning this game. His tactics, his setup is the key to winning this game. This guy's made us believe that we can beat the likes of Germany-Holland. Okay, we haven't actually done it yet, but it just seems crazy to me that he hasn't been hasn't been overly linked with jobs before. And yeah. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's probably just seen Stoke, thought Championship Club. Hopefully, he has got a few assurances there about his future and maybe... I maybe thought, you know, I, I have to go now
1: mm. Yeah, and I think you know you have to talk about the fact he's going to stay for the two matches in the playoffs as yeah. well you know, that is obviously just typical Michael I mean, he's a really classy guy, we know he has been just a great servant over the years now for us, so it's no surprise that he's going to still look look after those two games, I think he'll juggle both jobs pretty yeah. well personally, I, I do think he'll manage with that I d- he's just a very organised guy in general when it comes to his set-ups and the way he organizes things football-wise, so I don't think we have any problems with that, and obviously we respect that choice of Michael to do that, and I don't think any Northern an Adam fan will look at this decision and, and and really kind of begrudge Michael of a of a chance to go elsewhere and yeah. and and kind of make his mark in the club game more than just Shamrock Rovers. You yeah. know, I yeah, think he can kind yeah. of go on do a, b- a bigger job, and Stoke's definitely a bigger one than Shamrock Rovers. You
0: certainly. know, certainly. And uh, well, what do you think about the the whole thing about the two matches in the playoffs? Because when I when I originally heard the news and all that came out when the reports were coming out before it was sort of released as an official statement was that Michael would take charge of Holland and Germany, the two matches and then would leave and at that point I was thinking right well if we're gonna have a new manager in for the playoffs I'd rather give him these two matches uh, this training camp Mm -hmm. with the team get him to sort of stamp his ideas down get it into their heads before the playoffs and just give them a bit of time so that the playoffs wasn't the first um yeah reception of information for those players from new manager if it was going to be a different style I think now that he's staying for the two matches and the playoffs I think for me even an albeit distracted Michael O'Neill Is our best chance to get the Euros What do you think?
1: No, easily Easily the best chance I mean, he, he's, he's I think he's really pulled us out Of some many games before And these kind of g- wins we're getting Against the likes of, you know Belarus and Estonia A lot of that is down to Michael To be honest with you And how he approaches those games So I think, you know I, I'm, I'm so glad he's here for the playoffs I would have been so worried um, I don't really think either that it's gonna like necessarily distract the side that he's having to balance the two roles. I think I think it's all gonna work out pretty well, and I'm just I'm excited that he's gonna stay for the playoffs. I think it makes sense. The way to end a story would kind of go through those playoffs, see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a pretty fitting end to what Michael's done for us, and yeah. I'm just really glad he's still here for
0: those. To be honest, my only maybe slight concern about Michael O'Neill going into club football is if you read any interviews or any people who are close to Michael O'Neill and given, uh, you know, if they give. Uh, any sort of insight into his management and how he likes to prepare. It's that it, his preparation for matches and studying the opposition and setting his team up tactically, like that's such a massive thing for Michael. Now, in international football, you've got sometimes two or three months at a time to prepare for one or two opponents. In the championship, you've very often two games in a week. So I'm just wondering for Michael, is is he going to have to adapt as a manager? Obviously, there's not going to be as much preparation him now but I mean we've seen before even in the Euros you know when okay he had a long time to prepare for that but you know got through that and then had uh, an immediate opponent, Poland, immediate match against Wales and sort of we set up quite well in those ones so do you think for Michael he's uh, he's, he's able to do that with a bit less preparation time seeing that's such a big part of his managerial setup?
1: I think that's definitely the thing we'll be looking at like first few months you know in the job at Stoke I think you know it's a good point to raise about international management it is a Completely different ball game, really, and a lot of people will tell you that who have been on both sides of the of, of football. Um, I mean, I actually think Michael probably will manage. That. I, I just, I, I, I'm, I've got to this point now with Michael where I just, I really trust him as a manager, and I think we've just seen so many great things from Michael that. I have no doubt that he can make that transition. And I do think he'll adjust well to, to that kind of, th- the less time to prepare. I do think he'll be okay with that. It will be obviously an adjustment period for him as just the way it'll be an adjustment period for us not having him around, yeah. you know, it's just the way football is. And I think it was the right time for him. And, you know, I'd, I would never begrudge him and yeah. I think he'll be fine
0: there. 100%, like we certainly wish him good luck. I mean, he's given me definitely easily my best years as a Northern Ireland fan. 100%. And yeah. I even include, you know, the Laurie Sanchez years and that because, yeah, 100%. you know, the one thing I would say for Michael, and we will come on to talk about this uh, in the part two of the podcast where we preview the matches, is while maybe the only red mark next to his Northern Ireland managerial career is that he hasn't had that one big scalp against the Netherlands or a Germany or a big nation like uh, like an England or Spain as we had under, under Sanchez. Um, but for me, it's, you know, Okay that would be nice and especially with these two matches as a bit of a send off for him to sort of tick that off and say okay I've taken this team as far as I can, I've done everything with them but you know, give me that 2-0 win over Ukraine any day, any day over 1-0s over England, 3-2s over Spain, which ultimately mean nothing because we're nowhere near to qualify. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, they were just kind of those one-off games that we'll never forget, but at the end of the day, there wasn't any kind of continuity to that or just, you know, a, a run of form that got us into a major tournament. So there's no way you could compare Michael to, to
0: Laurie for me. I think Michael's just streets ahead. Streets ahead. Straight, certainly streets ahead of any manager in our yeah, lifetime as well. Yeah, so, um, One thing I wanted to ask you about was, for the playoffs, do you think it, because I don't know if if, if Michael has, has clued up on the exact permutations or if he's even thinking about that so far, but do you think the fact that our potential opponents for the playoffs are, you know, there's a 70% chance we know who it's going to be, so he can already sort of start preparing for those games, and I'm sure he will. I mean, he say in the media he's not because they all have to say, take it one game at a time, nothing's uh, prepared yeah. yet. You know, we, yeah. we think about Holland, then we think about Germany, and then we'll start thinking about that. But, I mean, if he's... If he's got a bit of uh, getting used to the sort of two games a week in the championship with Stoke, preparing game on game, sometimes only having one or two games to prepare his team and prepare his tactics for those games, then surely, especially with a week potentially before that match against what we think will be Bosnia or another playoff, that should still be enough for him and he should, I mean, he's had this team for eight years, his training methods, his tactics, his philosophy is ingrained in those players' minds, so, you know, I don't think that just the fact that he won't have all this time to look at the potential opponent will matter too much. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think that, that, like, if he has any sense, he will be keeping now in Bosnia. I think we kind of know that's... That that is most likely how it's going to play out. And Michael will know that. Obviously, he'll go through the classic sayings that you'll say in press conferences. Of course, we already know that's just typical of, of what management is all about. But I do think he'll be looking at the Bosnia game. Um, and we know, like you said already, he's ingrained his, his style, his system into these players. And he'll just be looking at the opposition. You know, that is the most likely a, a opponent for us at the end of the day. And that is a potential route into the, f- the playoff finals. And then we could play in another major tournament. So I think he'll be looking at Bosnia. How we can break a team like Bosnia down. Obviously, it's more likely to be away from home. Um, well, so it'll definitely be away from home, away from home. home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's that's a tricky fixture in itself. He'll be looking at that. I know he'll obviously be preparing for these two games as well. But we know we all know, I think, as a collective, that Bosnia is likely to be that
0: game, and that's the kind of one we should be focusing on in reality. You know. Okay, so that's uh, sort of taking a look at what Michael's done and how we're going to prepare for my life after Michael. Well, what about the potential replacements for us? then so I'm going to run through a few of these here. I'm going to run through the top five that the bookies seem to have agreed on. Uh, that are the five most likely candidates to take over the Northern Ireland job so uh, favorite at the minute at six to four is Stephen Robinson so 44 year old Northern Irish manager uh, with motherwell right now so right now they're third in the league he's been there I think three years and uh, I remember I'm not sure exactly when it was but I remember I think it was four or five years ago where motherwell were in a relegation playoff and you would go down into the second division so you know he has taken them from the doldrums and really made them relevant again um another thing is that The IFA seem to have a preference for people who have worked for them before. And Stephen Robinson has got his coaching badges done everything through the IFA. I think even I read an article saying he was on the backroom staff uh, for Michael O'Neill's team for Euro 2016. So this is a guy the IFA knew very well. Uh, He's there at six to four, doing a good job at Motherwell. Also got them to the uh, Scottish League Cup, Scottish uh, Cup finals. So uh, doing a decent enough job there. Similarly, Tommy Wright, he's slightly... Longer odds at five to one. Uh, again, he's been at St. John'son for the last six, seven years, taking them to six consecutive top six finishes as well, which is is not to be sniffed at. And I think that's a guy who uh, Northern Ireland fans will maybe turn their nose up at, maybe think it's a it's he's gonna bring a backwards style of football uh, to us. But um, it's certainly an option there. Uh, Oren Kearney, actually, I was surprised to see him uh, at nine to four, a very short odds. Second favorite to take over, not too far away from Stephen Robinson. There, uh, he's the Coleraine manager. Uh, it was a cool rain, I think, the last two or three years. Uh, it took them within inches of winning the league. I think they only lost one se- uh, one game that season. And when you think of the league, that's you know usually dominated historically by Linfield and Glen Torren. recently, Crusaders and Cliftonville. Uh, have been up there. Crusaders going full time. So for him to take Coleraine so close and then to win the Irish Cup, it was just an amazing season for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now he's on a fifty-two game unbeaten streak, yeah, I mean, which is unbelievable. Isn't which it, is really? just unheard of. Like <laughs> no it's, matter what league you're in or what side yeah. it is, I mean that's just yeah. And it's Coleraine, It's not historically like a yeah. club always up there competing. Yeah. Certainly when I was growing up, anyway. No. Uh, he went over to St Mirren for a year. Uh, kept them up, which was his remit basically, and. I think in the end was, uh, I think he's got young kids, maybe so family issues and uh, not seeing them as much. He just wanted to come back home. So that is an option. He's, you know, pretty much done well in every job he's had. Uh, another couple of options. Grant McCann, 9-1, to one. can't really see that. He's at Hull at the moment, so he's earning a, a big championship wage there. Would have to take a pay cut to come to Northern Ireland. Um, so I can see him sticking it out in club football a bit longer. And obviously one that everyone's been talking about is David Healy. Um shall we start there? i have chat about David Healy. I mean yeah if he if he's uh if he's half the manager, he was a striker for us, yeah. then he's gonna he's no, gonna I <laughs> think so. It's, it's a one horse race like, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean I like the idea of kinda of taking a bit of a gamble on someone just because I don't want to go back to like a traditional form of manager like we've seen in the, the Worthington days, you know what I mean? And I don't wanna go back to something like that. I re- like I think that could just be the most like suicidal call for the board to make. You know, I really don't think we should go that direction again. Because I think we've kind of progressed past that. We do kind of favour the more progressive manager now. And I'm not saying that Michael is like this guy who plays this incredible flow, um, you know, really flowing football or anything like that. I'm just just thinking, you know, I don't want to go back to the kind of low block yeah. you know hoof kick the ball the yeah. kick them kick them about the place I just don't want to go back <laughs> yeah. to that at all so I would I would like to take a gamble on, on someone like Healy if, yeah. if, it, if it did come down to Healy I think in that case okay. or Kearney like you said as well that yeah. would be an interesting one um, yeah Healy I mean why, why not take a gamble on someone like that it is a bit of a nostalgia pick and we've seen how that's kind of worked so far for yeah. United I mean <laughs> with, with Solskjaer and things like that yeah, but true. I do think you know Healy is like he's proven himself I guess in, in, in some regards in management and I do think that he could, could potentially come in as a bit of a wild card pick and, and, and perform well but I mean at the end of the day I have no idea how any of these guys are going to perform really I mean trying to follow up what Michael's done is just like a pretty impossible job almost in some regards so I mean I would just like someone a bit more progressive like like we, we've talked about you know
0: yeah well the thing the thing I would say for Healy is Michael O'Neill pretty much got the job on the remit that he took Shamrock Rovers into the Europa League you know it was one I think it was one of the first times an Irish club well Certainly in the Europa League, in the new reformed format. It was the first time an Irish club had got into the grip stage of that. I mean, David Healy was one goal away from doing that, one stupid decision from a guy who gave away a penalty at home to make it 3-2. He was that close to getting Linfield, a part-time team, into the Europa League group stages. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Um, Domestically, he's done the business, he's won the league two years in a row, uh, has won plenty of domestic cups as well, and he is somebody who does play good football. I mean, I've seen a little bit of Linfield, they've, you know, quick wingers, like to get the ball on the ground and play, and have a lot of good technical footballers there, so I think if you're looking for a progressive style of play, I think him or or Orange, Kearney would be the options I mean we're not massive followers of the SPL so we're not experts to sort of talk about Stephen Robbins and Tommy Wright exactly what their style of play is so I don't want to write them off as much as as much as anything else but would you I think a fair question to ask is would you prefer the type of punt a Kearney a Healy somebody like that who you know has all this potential uh, but it could I suppose go disastrously wrong or would you rather go for and this might be harsh, but somebody who we know is a pretty average, to decent manager probably is never going to qualify us for a, a Euro 20, uh, you know, a qu- European yeah, Championship or a World Cup. Yeah. Um, and essentially, essentially, is we know they're going to be a downward step for Michael.
1: I I hundred percent for me. I don't know about you. I just think punt just because I think equally the risk in terms of both going completely wrong is it, it is completely equal mm-hmm. on both fronts. Like yeah. I think you could take a manager that appears more safe and maybe has been in the game longer. And it could equally just fall apart. So I think taking a punt, at least you've went for something progressive. At least you've tried to kind of emulate something that Michael would have brought to the table and kind of build on what Michael's done. Because I think to, to, to have Michael for all those years and then suddenly take a safe choice would just be such a backward step. You know, it should be a progressive thing where we continue to build on what Michael's done because I think it would almost be disrespectful in some yeah. way if we didn't go and build on what Michael's done for us because he's laid the foundations to go on and, and kind of to build to build on what he's done. And I think that someone more progressive, someone who's a bit more of a risk, would have that better chance, I think, of getting us to a major tournament again, just yeah. because of some, just something that happens, just the way it happened with Michael. It was a crazy kind of appointment that was kind of, not many people knew about it you know, uh, he's done well with Shamrock Rovers, but what has he really proven necessarily? And he's come in and done a great job. So I would take a punt on this one, 100%. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I agree with you. You know, we've seen these so-called safe choices before. Like, say, for example, and, you know, I really do like Martin O'Neill as a guy. I think he comes across as very good. I think in the past, clearly he's been a very good manager, winning the treble with Celtic, won the League Cup with Leicester. Terrific achievements in the past, but you'd say maybe recently has sort of fallen out of touch a little bit. His tactics are maybe left in the past a bit. Um, certainly in the last sort of five, ten years or so, and the Republic of Ireland went for him, a manager who is, you know, who you know, he's he's a decent manager, but that's it, so it's a safe bet, and look how that ended for them, you know, they all ended up, it ended up in pretty much disaster, they were left in a pretty bad place by Martin O'Neill, and fans certainly turned against him, it actually turned quite bitter there, whereas the Republic of Ireland have gone, They've had a look, they've said, okay, we've got this guy, Stephen Kenny here, he's done very well with Derry City in the League of Ireland, uh, plays good progressive football, he's a young manager, has loads of potential, so they've said, you know, we're going to give him two years for the under-21s, let him do his thing there, uh, get him more prepared for international football, give the job to Mick McCarthy for two years, and then we're going to bring him through, and as much as I hate to say it, that's a really good progressive step for the Republic of Ireland, I think they're going to, I think that guy, from what I've seen about him, is going to bring them back up, now, the likes of a, a Healy or a Kearney probably isn't as proven as him, and that's just the fact that the Irish League's a part-time league. Um, you know he's been down there in full-time, done it in full-time football, is doing it right now with the under-21s at the Republic of Ireland. So it's it's a safer it's a safer punt than what we would have to go for. But mm-hmm. I just think uh, I can I on, honestly I can see the IFA going for Stephen Robinson. And you know what, this guy's 44 years old. He's still young. This guy could be a fantastic manager. We're not saying that, but. but for me, I'd also go for a punt. So would you go Healy or Kearney then? Um,
1: God, I'd have to say Healy just because I don't know much about Kearney, but I mean, the Kearney unbeaten run is pretty amazing. Yeah. I just think Healy, because he just, he has that reputation with Northern already, mm-hmm. I think it would make maybe be a bit of the safer of the punts, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. So I'd probably go Healy. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, both do play good football. Both are really young, exciting managers. Kearney's probably... Probably got more experience, I mean he's been in management a bit longer, has had the one year in professional football over at St Mirren, has done well there, uh, kept them up which he was asked to do. But David Healy, I just think... I mean, he knows, still knows some of the players played with the yeah. likes of Evans, Cathcart, exactly, Davis. Exactly, yeah. We, we can't forget that. Um, Has a good record bringing youth players through at uh, Linfield. Don't get me wrong, Kearney has an excellent record of doing that at Corain as well. So, I mean, you could flip a coin between it's close, the two. It
1: is definitely close between yeah. them, yeah. I'd just um, go Healy for the, for, for the, the banter nostalgia. of it. You. Yeah. <laughs> Why, not? Why not? For the
0: nostalgia. I mean, certainly it would be, it would be a popular pick with the fans anyway. Yeah. Okay, we are going to come on to talk about the Holland and Germany games very soon. But before we do, quickly... Uh, favorite Michael memory, and um, what we're gonna, uh, what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna take out Euro 2016. Yeah, Ukraine, can't too it's,
1: an to one. it's too easy to say Euros, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> God. Okay. What are you gonna go for? So
1: I actually, I've picked. We talked about this. I picked about. I picked the Greece away win in okay. the qualifiers. Yeah. So that I think that win that made it three from three. I did. Yeah. Um. So that I think the reason I picked Greece is not only just for that stunning Lafferty goal. Um, and for like Ranieri getting booed at the end of the game and things like that, it was just so funny and just, but I think it made me really believe that game. I think that was the game where I thought, hold on a second, like we actually or we could genuinely do something here. Like I know it was only three games in, but just the way we'd gone about those three wins, I just thought this, could this be the start of something, get into this major tournament. And it ended up being in my, in my opinion, a catalyst really yeah. that, that win was just so incredible. We went out to Greece it's not often you see Northern Ireland side do that. You know, I, I can't remember the last time before that game that I'd seen a Northern Ireland side go in and beat a side like Greece 2 0. It, it was 2 0 in the end, was it? it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, comfortably. I mean, that Lafferty goal was just memorable for me. One, pro- Maybe the most memorable goal of the qualifiers, just in terms of how he, he went about it. It was just incredible. Um, and just, yeah, for the scenes at full time, Ranieri and everything getting booed off the pitch, it was just that was a game that made me believe, personally. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what, what was your favourite one?
0: Well, I will just want to talk about that quickly as well because, uh, you know, for me, that was a game that made me believe as well. Yeah. We got that we got that win out in Hungary late on, yeah. played very well, but we didn't know whether that was just a yeah, flash fluke, in the pan. Yeah. It was our first away win in I don't know how long. Yeah. Uh, then we got the 2-0 win over the Faroe Islands, which, again, we've talked about before. That was the start of Michael being able to yeah. beat those teams regularly I that know. were below us that you need to pick up the points against to be in contention to qualify for a major tournament. Um, the thing I would say about the Greece game is i'd say maybe the best thing michael one of the best things michael o'neill did in terms of a minor nuance or a, a, a you know a one player thing was the renaissance of kyle lafferty yeah so obviously he got sent off in that portugal game in that disastrous campaign yeah, in the world was, cup 2014 yeah. qualifiers and um, many people thought his international career was going was was over his yeah. club career was going nowhere and from that moment on you know michael said before that euro 2016 campaign that you know, he put the arm around Kyle, and he said to him, "You know, we believe in you." And I think everyone knew you know, there was a player in Kyle Lafferty. There, you know, there is still a player yeah, in Kyle Lafferty somewhere. Is. Yeah, and Michael somehow got got an, an incredible level of performance out of him i mean yeah. he was pretty much unplayable for those two years mm. and that goal i mean wasn't that uh manolis the yeah he's like supposed, to be, half. Who was supposed just... to be rapid as yeah. well and lafferty you know was just like a man possessed yeah that game.
1: it was incredible it started out wide or something didn't it? Yeah, and yeah he just came i mean it was just such an incredible goal i just remember that goal so fondly yeah i picked that what, what, what were you thinking yeah then for the game? i mean
0: it's it's not like it's maybe not a game where that Northern Ireland fans that will stick out in the memory in like 20 years time it was a super result but for me uh, last campaign when we played the Czechs at home and I think that pretty much when we beat them 2-0 and that pretty much guaranteed uh, that we would finish second in the group it it didn't quite guarantee us a playoff but I mean that was guaranteed in the next couple of days anyway for me that that was my one of my favorite Michael memories because I remember just thinking you know the Czechs have some have some really really good players guys that Czech Republic are a team who pretty much always qualify quietly, always qualify yeah, for they're tournaments. They're always in there, and they, I mean they don't, they never really do anything there. But you know, when you sit down and think of a major tournament, you think of watching the group stages. You always think of the Czech, Czech Republic, s- don't always you? Always see them. They're always there always filling it in. Them, so yeah. for us to qualify above them and convincingly qualify above them as well, and I just remember that home game. I was a bit worried about it, and I was just thinking, you know, these guys have good players. Maybe this is just going to be us back down to earth. And, uh, and, and we, we went there and, and are we, we, it was at home and we, our tactics were just spot on. We gave them nothing yeah, and all nailed game it. And I just thought that it. was, uh, that was the epitome. It was really dominant, wasn't it? Yeah. It was so dominant, that, that display. That was just when I knew, okay, you know, we did well to qualify for the Euros. It's not a flash in the pan. Michael has made this yeah. tiny nation an incredible great team. Great side, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think so, it's a
1: great shot as well. I loved, I loved watching that game. That was so
0: good to watch. Yeah. I just remember seeing that, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the Holland and Germany games. So uh, that's, the, that's the Michael part done. Uh, now on to the two matches. So potentially, probably not Michael O'Neill's last two matches because we will have the playoffs, but yeah. potentially his last match at Windsor. I yep. mean we're likely to have an away playoff and then there's a 50-50 draw for whether the next game will be at home. So this could potentially like be a send off, a Windsor Park send off for Michael O'Neill. Absolutely. Um as I was saying in the in the last in, in, in the last part, uh, maybe the only thing he hasn't done in his Northern Ireland career is that big result against a massive nation. Yeah. Um and you know, Ukraine, Czech Republic are on the brink of that, but they're not like Titanic nations. Yeah, they're not
1: Spain, you know, it's not yeah. yeah.
0: You know I mean? yeah. So I mean Just to give some context, to qualify automatically, uh, if we win both of these games 2-0 or by two goals, we will qualify automatically for the Euros, so it is mathematically possible. Um, but I would say stranger things have happened, but I'm not sure they have. No,
1: have they? it's uh, I, I just
0: can't see it, mate. <laughs> two, like two goal margin, both getting no. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna
1: just straight up have to say no on that one, man. I just don't think it'll happen. Okay, but, do, I mean imagine the scenes? But no,
0: do we? I mean, if you're Michael, do you even think about that? Do you? I mean, we've technically nothing to lose, but do you think potentially going for a two goal win and being absolutely obliterated <laughs> on the break? Is that maybe going to be worse for confidence going into the playoffs? Or do you think, you know what, screw it. You think he might just say that? You know, my last, last game at Windsor yeah. I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. And I don't think
1: this. he'll, like, throw caution to the wind in the sense that he'll just send bodies flying <laughs> forward. Like, <laughs> I, do, I do think Imagine he'll. Imagine the team sheet. <laughs> yeah, I just think he won't he won't park the bus, essentially. You know, he's going to obviously just play a counter attack instead of football. We might even try to get at them in periods of the game. I just think, I don't think it'll be, an, you know, throw everything, at, you know, in the kitchen sink at, at these two sides, you know what I mean, yeah. all in Germany. Because I, I don't think it would be nice. It would be leave a bad taste in the mouth if he got absolutely hammered in one of these yeah. games. I mean, so I have not really been hammered. I doing. just can't remember last time. We've been hammered. I yeah. really can't, and so for me, like I, I, I wouldn't want to see that happen. But I, I just think you'll have a, a a progressive approach as always. It won't be all the way defensive. It won't be all the way offensive. You know, it will just be as balanced approach as, as
0: per. And I just think, yeah, I, I, wouldn't go hammer and tongs at it, but you because know, I don't <laughs> want to get hammered, but. Well, some Stoke fans who were who were asking about, man, I'm not bringing this back onto Michael, but um, some Stoke fans were asking, like, what is his style of play? Is it more pragmatic? Is it an, a, an attacking style of play? Is it good football? <clears throat> and I think the thing that, that I would say about Michael is he doesn't actually have, like, a f- specific philosophy the way the likes of Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp do. He's very much a tactical manager. And in these last two games, we have seen uh, two very different approaches. Germany at home, uh, perhaps a bit surprisingly, was you know, 100 mile an hour press, put them under pressure, put superb world-class footballers under pressure and force them into mistakes and got a couple of chances with that. And uh, the, well, the next game was away to Holland where it was very much a defensive performance. I mean, there still was a press there, especially first half, but it was more let them have the ball, soak up the pressure and get the goal, which, you know, we did in the end. So two two matches where, despite the results, you would say, Michael, look his tactics right. Uh Okay, let's start for Holland at home. Would you go for the counterattacking? attacking Would you try and replicate Germany? Um, bear in mind, we don't have, obviously, Connor Washington leading the press there.
1: Yeah, that's a bit of an annoyance, but I'd, I would just keep it the same. I think the Germany at home display, we talked about it before on the podcast. I mean, we were really impressed with how we approached that game. I would just keep it the same against Holland. You know, I think there'll be an extra... Buzz about the place with the news. I think we'll obviously all get behind. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere there. I mean, that's it's going to be even better than Germany. I think. Yeah. I, I can see it. Just Saturday night. Yeah. yeah, even though the kind of the way the groups folded out, it looks like we're not going to qualify automatically. I still think the atmosphere is it even going to be better. You know, it's crazy. I th- so I think it's going to be a great night that way. And I, I do think it'll just be a similar approach to Germany, man. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Okay,
0: and uh, with that in mind, then, well, actually, no, we'll not talk about the the team for now. We'll come on to that in a second. Uh, what about Germany then, away from home? Would you? would you reverse it and go for the more Holland approach or do you think just do the exact same as what we did at Windsor? I mean, there's going to be a lot of fans over there probably are going to make the most noise as our fans tend yeah. to do away from home. So. Well,
1: I think, yeah, I do think actually that last game, I can see it being a bit of a, a crazy one. Like I, I can okay. actually see goals for both sides and that for some reason, I can just see that being a bit mad mm-hmm. um so maybe it, like was, I that, mean,
0: was that goals plural for northern ireland goals <laughs> I, you heard goals Whoa. away in germany i, I do Has ever you, been mentioned in the podcast can you imagine
1: one? that can you imagine <laughs> that oh my god imagine like 4-2 or something just yeah something mad, or 4-4 you know <laughs> uh, no, i know i do think that germany game c- could potentially be a bit of a crazy one mm-hmm. <laughs> um like just okay. the way it plays out but the Holland one, I think, you know, while it's while it's still here, I do think it will just be a bit more of that similar approach from before.
0: Well, I, I, and I would like to see that because that was such a breath of fresh air to see us do that. I mean, we've mm. certainly taken the games to teams like Estonia and Belarus and played good football in those matches and dominated those games. But to see us take that really positive approach... Uh, the German at home was just such a breath of fresh air for me and you know week and another day we could have easily come away with a result yeah. there Um Holland fairly similar standard I mean maybe don't even have the same uh, level of technical players in midfield as Germany do when you think we force the likes of Kroos, Kimmich, you know, really really good players on the ball the mistakes um, okay they've got Frankie de Jong, Wijnaldum two excellent players especially de Jong technically um, but they're not you know if we can force Cruz and Kimmich into mistakes, we can force those guys into mistakes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I think so. I think, you know, we've, we talked about it, I think, before the Holland away game anyway, with the areas we could potentially target. And I think it will be a similar kind of midfield area that we could potentially get at just because these guys will be bombing forward a little bit. Yeah. when Aldum, you know, will like to get involved in the interchange in the final third. So, uh, you know, being at home, I think we could find some spaces there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it is really disappointing not having Washington around. Yeah. I mean, we, we both know that. We're obviously going to talk about the team shortly. Yeah. But, you know, I think if we had him around, the impetus would have been really there and we could have maybe done some damage here um but i mean i'm
0: still i'm still really looking forward to the game personally yeah. i can't wait to be there i yeah. think it's gonna be great It's gonna be really good yeah um from okay i'm gonna give you a quick hypothetical here so say we're 1-0 up last minute holland threw forward everyone threw forward sileson is other their keeper i think yeah, so um, and we break away and make it 2-0 and it becomes clear that then we only need well, only need t- only need a 2-0 win. win in germany <laughs> uh, i mean if if we i mean <laughs> The other thing is, the only other way we can qualify is if if they drop points, like, I mean, Holland play Estonia at home, yeah. Germany play Belarus at home, if they drop points in those matches, then just two wins will be enough, imagine that, without I having to score two or three two goals. Two wins against those two, that's, that's yeah. easy enough, okay. is yeah, So yeah, that will be a real favour yeah, for us. Easy, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I suppose Germany, Germany to an extent, depends on what the result is against Holland, but not really, because... Fuck yeah, uh, I mean...
1: It's, it's just a weird position to be in looking at these two games because we really don't know what to necessarily expect in that <laughs>
0: regard, you know,
1: but... Um. I would love the Germany game to just be yeah, one nil Northern Ireland getting into the last ten minutes, we just need one more goal after beating Holland 2 0. <laughs> god, can you imagine watching that? The Germans sparking the bus. Can you imagine why? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're about to get knocked. Oh my god. Liam like, Boyce, Josh McGinnis, Kyle up. up, David Healy. Josh McGuinness long throw, it's off, so it comes off <laughs> someone's backside. I, <laughs> I, that's kind of what I want to see personally, but that's some like fever dream stuff. I mean, if there crazy. was one
0: player that could qualify us for the Euros and uh, to beat us to win two nil in Germany, who would you want to uh, score the goal? Uh, be your uh, you could obviously
1: take like a real banter pick, but I I would I, w- I would go Steve Davis. Okay,
0: have a serious one, have a banter.
1: Steve will. Davis for serious, because I think that would just be like magical. Yeah. Banter. <laughs> Billy Peacock Farrell, <laughs> <bro>. <laughs> Billy
0: Peacock Farrell off his knee
1: or something, I okay. don't know. Just or it knocks one in head or back yeah, stick.
0: obviously Davis has already qualified us. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, true. Good point. Um, so we could go for somebody different there. Maybe like I don't know. I mean, there. Josh, the Josh McGinnis. I think Josh
1: McGanns would be quite funny. Yeah, it would. Yeah. I mean, yeah which <laughs> would be funny <laughs> it, would it would just be funny because right? yeah, you B-scores. know we'd have the, we would have had the moment against way, away yeah. and we, where we thought we just did a madness but then he actually had a moment where it, it actually ended up being something really you know yeah. what I
0: mean I think that would be kind of poetic yeah, yeah. Okay. Joshua Gass well maybe that's a better question to ask for the playoffs <laughs> when we've actually just have to win matches against yeah. uh, normal oppositions not absolute world class ballers okay so let's have a talk about the team I mean I think certainly certainly the back five picks itself thankfully Craig Cathcourt's back after that injury scare yeah. Uh, against uh, for Watford a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we've got Jamal Lewis back in the squad as well, which is going to be a big positive, even though I think the fullbacks came in and did quite well. I mean, let's start it right back because... We've seen Michael Smith come in do a decent job away to Holland. Even though we got a little bit of criticism, we seem to think he played okay. Yeah, I think it was hard. Uh, he's been doing quite well for Hearts as well, uh, albeit in the SPL. As we say, he's been playing a back three there. Actually, I mean, wh- first of all, I mean, let's actually start with the formation. I've gone back and back and back here. I thought about starting with the front three, then the right back, and now the formation because okay, you'd normally think it would be the classic four three three that we've been playing. Well, the the w- with Corey Evans on the right tucking in, is sort of asymmetrical, but. Three five two away to Czech Republic, 3-0 at halftime. White and boys up front, big man, small man. Classic. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could. It, yeah, I mean, we'll see a lot of that if Tommy writes. I'd be, I would. Be, <laughs> <literally>, <laughs> no, I would be worried. I think
1: about a three in a game like this, just because those spaces. I always get so scared in the three, about the spaces behind the two wide center halves. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do think that could really hurt us in a game against someone like Holland. You know, okay. they'll be, they'll be literally killing us in that space. I think personally, mm-hmm. but. Especially with us being at home and it would be a bit more of an impetus on us. I think yeah. we might leave gaps there. So I'd probably stick with a four. Okay. To be honest with you, the four three three, I'd probably stick with that. But okay. I mean, that check game was a bit crazy to be fair. Yeah. With that formation, it seemed like to be a system that was working pretty well, albeit a, a pretty much full change check side. Mm-hmm. Um I'd Mike. probably just stick With the four on this one Okay
0: well Michael came out And actually said That was a formation That he'd been desperate To play for ages Right So maybe he will use he That as just some justification it, yeah. I mean yeah. he's nothing to lose now He's, yeah, he's got true. a job So yeah, play the four uh, Well okay Who's your four then Is it is it Dallas at right back Or are you going to Put him in the front three And go for a Smith Or a McLaughlin Or somebody like that I'd probably just Mm, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I think Dallas. Yeah, because yeah. he plays so well. In that game I know, and
1: he is just a he is just a fullback now. Like that mm-hmm. is what Stuart Dallas is. So Plan I would center mid for Leeds. He's playing center mid now. Really? Okay. Yeah, okay. I we'll guess he's a utility man. I can play yeah. anywhere yeah. at this point. He's yeah. playing left back, right back, center. doing a left. bit of a John O'Shea. I think there. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I'd probably play Dallas there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Northern Ireland's James Milner.
1: Northern Ireland's that's a player. great way. To, that's a great way to put <laughs> it. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I haven't seen him play midfield. That's what we call the podcast. Yeah, that's a good.
0: Okay, so um. You know what? I would... I, don't know, I should, probably should have made my mind up on this before I started the podcast. Um, Thanks, Smith. I, I, well, I am... Well, I'm, I'm tempted by the 3-5-2 just because I, I did enjoy that so much. I enjoyed yeah. Gavin White playing so much. Uh, and I think Gavin White deserves an opportunity. Yeah, White
1: looks so good, didn't he? No? Yeah, and, yeah, and
0: we know Michael, who if you do consider these two games uh, qualification-wise and mathematically a dead rubber in the sense that it's not going to affect our chances of the playoffs and it's not going to actually qualify us, then... Michael has been known to test things out in these games, like even the Nations League, where he's mm. experimented with things. So, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see him go for the three five two, especially saying we do have the players for it. If you consider Michael Smith good enough to internationally play at center half, which I'm not sure everyone. Does yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, just just for difference, I'm I'm gonna go for the three five yeah, two. Okay. I'm nice gonna one. say okay. I'll say we'll play Evans, Cathcart, and Michael Smith. At yeah, centre, at centre that would half. that would make sense. And the then back. I'll go for Dallas and Lewis. Obviously, as the wing backs, yeah. so and I mean they are people who have people players who have uh, (laughs) who have played uh, at fullback before for us so okay they are two more attack minded players certainly for fullbacks but won't shy away from their defensive duties quite like
1: that actually yeah Mm -hmm. the way that's kind of lining up in the back five i I do like that
0: okay well whether it's four three three or three five two we have to pick three midfielders yeah so are you well first of all are you going to play all four of davis uh, mcnair savile and evans on the right and do that sort of thing where he yeah, presses. He, did that, he, he liked that against Germany, didn't he? There yeah, Corey Evans he did it in Holland as well, even though there was a bit less of a press, but um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, maybe I'd just go with that again in that okay. case, because I think Corey Evans was great. In that Germany game, like I thought he was brilliant out there. I thought he was doing a great job. So and there's I think, some criticism. Did Corey Evans come in with some criticism for that game? I can't uh, remember. In in, in the Germany game, I, I, don't, home. F- I don't know. I can't I remember. Exactly. Yeah, I just feel like he can. Some people do easy pick on him, but yeah, unwarranted yeah, I could But No, I I would play Corey out there again. Yeah, I would do. I would okay. do something similar to the, what the Germany game was. Yeah, this, similar kind of idea.
0: So you'd see Gavin White as more of an impact sub, like he did against Germany. Came on, yeah. fresh legs, tore apart the fullback yeah, rather it, than start him. It would be like a shame and a way to not play Gavin White but I Mm -hmm. mean
1: equally I do think that that could actually cause a bit of havoc to be honest with you even just like bring him on like 55
0: 60 minutes in if we had to at that point we could really cause some some havoc I think yeah Yeah. and it would be nice to it it is it's just nice that we have options off the bench I know I know I mean Josh McGuinness is as somebody uh, I forgot to read out a comment on the last uh, on the last uh, on the last podcast and it was a really good one it was from Matthew Robson he said Josh McGuinness is Northern Ireland's Olly Gunnar Solskjaer this guy is an impact <laughs> sub player yeah. now yeah so you is. know we've got him off the bench White off the bench obviously one of them may start yeah. Gavin White certainly starts for me um okay midfield three so you'll go Savile uh, Davis and McNair yeah and then Evans on the right Evans on the right yeah uh, so I'll go for obviously those three and well I'm going to go for White and Boyce up front I mean okay. that's, a, that's a weird call and so, you know, I've certainly yeah. criticized boys a lot in this podcast but i just do think that worked in prague it did work so maybe well. maybe you'll go for more like maybe a lafferty in white or a mcginnis mm. in white that might be more likely but yeah. certainly gaffin white up top i think we'll just
1: well i mean boys played the best pass i've ever seen in history of football in that game <laughs> yeah. and i don't know if we meant it and it's just kind about, of funny yeah. but yeah yeah all, all the part of boys i guess
0: now in, in this in this system like yeah well that that's my well that, that that's my team in yeah. full then so who, who are you playing up top and who are you playing out in the left then God, see that's that's the thing. I don't. I'm
1: not sure about that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could maybe play white out there from the start. You know. Okay. I don't out know. On the left I, or up yeah. Front. I I always prefer my. I actually prefer my right. Because yeah. Just it, the link just up we've seen with, your, scene, with, with yeah. your Dallas out yeah. there. So I mean, it does kind of beg the question: Could you even just play that out on the left, yeah. <laughs> and then just, you can possibly. just cover it
0: that way? He's not whipping crosses in anyway. No, so. no, that's
1: the thing. It doesn't. I don't think it really matters too much. You can just cover Jamal in this mm-hmm. case. I just, I do think that link up on the right with you get with White and Dallas is so so potent that I, th- I kind of want to keep them out there. Yeah, and then up front, I mean. You probably know who I'm going to say. Like, yeah. I mean, It's just the classic me on this podcast. I always say Josh McGinnis. Yeah. Like every, yeah. every podcast. You hit him off the bench. I don't <laughs> know why. I, just, I, just, I mean, boys, I just don't fancy boys. No, <laughs> no certainly not in the zone. Definitely yeah, not, not in the zone. zone. So there I think no in that case I'd have practical. to go McGinnis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be my team. Then, okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're going to go for Peacock, Farrell, yeah. uh, Dallas, yeah. Evans, Cathcart, Lewis, Lewis yeah. Davis, McNair, Saville, Evans, White and McGinnis. Yeah, and That'll be interesting. Yeah, certainly to see. Going. I don't see why you know why not play Cordy Evans on the left if he yeah, can't if he can't it, come in and do the same job. Yeah, what does it necessarily matter? The yeah. only thing is obviously Savile's a very left-footed, left-sided player, true, so true. maybe they trust him to take that left-hand side and want Corey Evans maybe. to protect Davis and McNair on the right maybe. a bit more. they're more central players, and McNair
1: does like to get forward a bit more as yeah. in recent t- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I it's don't know. It could be an interesting lineup anyway, put it that way.
0: Uh, so I'm gonna go for the then the three, five, two and play White and Boyce up front and yeah. just, just see. I how like that goes. though. That's ref- yeah. that's like it could be disastrous, but yeah. you know, we can always change it. Yeah. Um and if it goes disastrously mm. wrong, then at least we know that before the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So, Don't play that system. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And it'll be you know, it could be interesting to go into a potential playoff, having played a couple of different systems, keep the opposition manager guessing um very and true. and spring some surprises and have players either I mean, either formation you play, you're gonna have potent potent players off the bench. Likes in McGuinness, whether it's Lafferty, yeah. Sheen Lavery even, who yep. has been called up again, maybe to the surprise of some people, because he hasn't been in quite the hot form he was in yeah. for, for Linfield in the European qualifiers. Still scored a, a very good goal against the dock the other night. Uh, can't see him starting though. So okay, those are our teams, and we're gonna finish up then with a prediction. So or two predictions. <laughs> so okay. You're you So normally you've, I'm a pessimist. You've been very pessimistic. Yeah. Yeah. You know what?
1: This is the day I ch- I think I change <laughs> on this one. I'm gonna go I'm going to say 1-0 Northern Ireland in this. Against Holland? You know, actually 2-1 okay. against Holland. 2-1 Northern Ireland, okay. So that'd be kind of devastating. Scores? win by, by two goals. Scorers, McGuinness again, because yep. he loves the Dutch apparently. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go white. Okay. I think white will score. I've, I fancy white, you know, scoring. Okay. So I'm going to go McGuinness and white scoring 2-1 and for the Dutch, I don't know, Memphis Depay. Okay, who cares? Do you know what I mean? Who cares? I'm like, <laughs> sure. Okay, good luck with your 4 all. Okay, you want me to go Germany now? Yeah, um, yeah do your
0: Germany now. God, th- 3 2 Germany. Okay. Okay, you've gone, you've reverted to pessimism, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I think that'll be, an, I still think, you know, 3 2. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, what what that'll game. be, that'll certainly yeah. be an interesting game. Yeah, 3 2 Germany. Yeah, Scores for, score
1: for us. <laughs> Scores for us. Davis penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute East Davis prediction. penalty, but before that, it's going to be a, a Savile absolute. Thunder, you know what I'm yeah, going to say. I think yeah, it's going t- yeah, to be a mad strike. Yeah,
0: I'm going to say a savon <laughs> mad strike on his left foot. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Okay, I am also going <laughs> to go <laughs> very hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I've been certainly given his finishing so far <laughs> yeah. for Northern Ireland and in general. Um, I'm going to go. I'm also going to go for a win against Holland. I'm also going to go two one. Yeah, I like uh, that. Goal scorers. Like that. I'm going to say Paddy McNair. Love it, love just it seems like a Brilliant. safe bet for Ireland yeah, these days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and. Yeah, you know, Josh McGuinness off the bench, you know, you love him starting, I love him off the bench, so I'm going to stick to my guns, say McGinnis off the bench, winner. Yeah, love that. Out leaping Matthias Delict and yeah. Van Dijk at the same time. Oh, easy. Yeah. Uh, easy. He's already done it.
1: He's already done it once. Corner it's going to happen again. Corner taking quickly, McGinnis. They're going to be
0: terrified. If they see a ball going to the box and Josh
1: McGuinness is about to nod it down, they yeah. are going to be running for their lives. Right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, like, Van Dijk has never played against a forward like this. Okay, they? right, that's enough. <laughs> 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 really-
0: and, and Germany. Uh Nil nil over there, why not? No. Yeah. Nice exciting Just way classic. To finish. Michael yeah. loves his conservatism, what a way goes to out there, yeah, just brilliant. just gets Clean to do whatever he wants. This his last game, he doesn't care. And then he, he gets up and says I'm not in leaving. Has a bowl of cornflakes <laughs> and realizes
1: yeah, he's gotta stay at the job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. That'll be nice. Love that. Clean okay. sheet. Okay. Brilliant.
0: Excellent. Right, I'm so, so we'll wrap it up there. There's our predictions. Slightly more yeah. optimistic than usual, certainly from you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, um, just, to, just to give a bit of uh, an insight into what we're going to do for the next few weeks. So I've come up with the mad idea that we might do a post-match podcast from Windsor Park on Saturday night after the game. Uh, that will depend on a lot of mitigating factors. <laughs> My phone holding out, was. audio, alcohol levels. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few things. Um, there are a few mitigating factors, not necessarily linked. So we'll try and get that out. No promises on that one because we've never done it before. And if so, we'll... I mean that'll probably be out on the Sunday morning just trying to do something more immediate uh, because obviously we have the Germany game on the Tuesday and then the playoff draw on the Friday. So ideally I would like to talk about those two so maybe doing that for the weekend um, so if I'm if I'm able just to take a few days um, after that and still give out some content about the Holland game. I will try and do that, but if not, we'll just come back straight after the Germany game and maybe do another one before they or after the the playoff draw. Yeah. And uh, depending on the, whether that, I mean, after the Germany game, that might already be decided who we're playing. You know, it might be Bosnia, it might be guaranteed already. We don't know yet. So, a couple of different podcasts uh, to come up potentially there. Uh, just. Obviously, as I always say, like the Spirit of 2016 Facebook page. Facebook? Facebook, Facebook, Facebook page. page. <laughs> uh, I'm glad this podcast is finishing soon. <laughs> okay, yeah, like the Facebook page. we do a few different updates on there. we do a weekly... Uh, Roundup of how the guys are doing for their clubs. A lot of people seem to like that. Uh, obviously, I love my permutations, mm. so I try and explain that as best as I can. Yeah, I just want to say
1: on that matter as well, because I haven't really said it on the podcast yet, like credit to Andy, because obviously you you've kinda, you kind you of do work on that Facebook page a lot and you really do keep people in tune with things like that. Obviously, I feel like this is quite a big moment for the podcast now, that how far it's come and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think credit to you on, on the behalf, and also thanks to everyone who's kind of tuned yeah. into all these podcasts, because yeah. I haven't had a chance really to say thanks to everyone. Yeah. You know, it has been really great to see, you know, because I know Andy, he approached me about this many months ago now about doing a podcast and he was really really enthusiastic and passionate about it and he knew I was someone who'd be on board with him in the process as well so mm-hmm. I credit to Andy for the work he's done big time on the yeah. Facebook page because that is all him he's really pumping out a lot of work there so he's keeping
0: everyone in, in tune he's keeping me in tune half the time <laughs> as well so credit to him in that regard yeah, yeah thanks very much yeah um, I mean I, I do enjoy doing the sort of permutation stuff doing the roundup stuff um, and thankfully people seem to enjoy it as well and that's been, you know, people have liked the page for the updates and have come and listened to the podcast I mean, our last podcast, I think mainly because we explained the playoff permutations but our last podcast, I think it's only like 20 listens away from being our biggest ever yeah. uh, which is just amazing, amazing you know, yeah. we're getting we're getting really good numbers in these podcasts now and long may continue because, I mean, we certainly really enjoy doing them uh, it's only once every two or three months so yeah. it's not going to get monotonous you know, we've always different things to say always different context to bring through Uh, So we'll come back with a a couple of different podcasts, hopefully one straight after the Holland game and then uh, one after the playoff draw as well, talking about Germany and the looking ahead to the playoffs. Uh, But for now, thank you very much for coming on as ever. Thank you. No problem at all. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.